So today we're reading from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up to a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who went before you. If you've found the sermon outline, you'll know from looking at that that we're looking at um, three weeks of looking at just sayings that people live by. Um, thinking about them kind of um, apologetically or evangelistically, how do, how do these sayings people build their life around? How do we interact with that as a Christian? And it's not my idea, this series. Um, friends at Dubbo Presbyterian did, a, I think it was a six-week series um, in January. So if you like, you can look up their podcast and check it out and see how much I've plagiarised. I don't think they mind. Um, let's pray as we think about the first of these sayings. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we think about what it means to be Christians in your world, Lord, we ask that you help us to be clear-headed. Please help us not to be distracted by things of this world, but to keep living for Jesus, we ask in his name. Amen. So long as you're happy, that's the main thing. So long as you're happy, that's the main thing. I'm sure you've heard it, maybe not in the exact words, but certainly the intention you may have even found yourself saying it. As long as you're happy, that's the main thing. Um, when you're making a big, big decision, trying to weigh up what's the right thing for me to do, it's an important decision. And your parent or your friend, they turn to you and you say, well, so long as you're happy, that's the main thing. What do they mean when they're saying that? I think it means they care for you. They care about you. They want what's best for you. Um, sometimes we say it to ourselves too. So when you're looking at the form, trying to work out which uni course do I put first and second and third, there's lots and lots of factors to consider. There's what you're good at, what you struggle with, what you, what you want to be doing in 10 or 15 years' time, which university offers the course. What you enjoy is one of the things you consider as well. In fact, that might be the main thing. And there it is, so long as you're happy, so long as you enjoy it. That's the main thing. Or you're looking for a job. Um, you've been offered more than one option, and so you're weighing them up. You've got your list of pros and cons. Which job do I take? There's the remuneration to consider. There's the commute, the colleagues. There's the fringe benefits to factor in, the future career direction. But then there's also which job would you be most happy doing? And there it is again, so long as you're happy. That's the main thing. What do people mean when they say, as long as you're happy, that's the main thing? It is a kind statement. It's showing concern for the other person. It means you want what's best for them. What I think they mean is it is important to be happy. 
It's important to find joy in life. Happiness matters. So if you're thinking about um, the response to any tricky situation, any struggles that are ahead of you, will you go this way or that way? You want to go the way that you'll enjoy. You want to go the way that will make you happy. And it's things that make us happy. It's events that make us happy. It's other people and their input into our life that makes us happy, isn't it? Um, when we went out for dinner on Friday night, we went out for a birthday dinner. Would we go back to that restaurant? Well, yeah, the service was great. The food was great. We were happy with the service. We were happy with the food. We'll go back again. There was a belly dancer. I'm not so happy with that. Should the same thing apply to church? I mean, you've made the choice to come to church today. Will you be back next week? Well, as long as you enjoyed it, as long as you're happy. It's starting to sound a little bit sus, isn't it? If you're unhappy with your job, then what reason do you have to continue? If you're unhappy with your job, then if it is the thing that makes you unhappy, if the main thing is that you're happy, then quit the job. If you're unhappy with your marriage, well, what's the reason to continue if it's not making you happy? You can see there are some potential issues with living your life by this saying, aren't there? As long as you're happy, that's the main thing. Other people, they can rob us of our happiness, can't they? Um, if, you keep, if you keep coming to church, you're going to have to keep interacting with that person that you're trying to avoid. Circumstances, that can, that can steal our happiness. I mean, if you're living in the wrong suburb when a hailstorm comes through, you're not going to be real happy. And what if you sustain a significant injury somehow? Your ability to do what you enjoy, it's taken away from you. It's beyond your control. You have no control over it. It's taken away. If happiness is the main thing, then what have you got to live for? What if you're suffering from depression? You can't see the good in anything. As long as you're happy, that's the main thing. It just doesn't resonate, does it? It doesn't work. As long as you're happy, that's the main thing. It becomes hollow and hurtful if happiness just is not an option for you. Okay, so there's some issues with this, this statement if we're going to live by it. Um, some of you knew that the minute you heard it, didn't you? Well, so long as you're happy, don't worry about the rest of us. That's what you're thinking. Yeah, we can turn it into a horrible assault on someone, can't we? Just look after yourself. Don't worry about us. As long as you're happy, that's the main thing. It doesn't really work, does it? Because, yes, happiness is important. We want to be happy, but sometimes you can't be happy. And then how do you live by this statement? If you're following along in the outline, you can see all I've done so far is tried to think through what people mean when they say, as long as you're happy, that's the main thing. As long as you're happy, that's the main thing. Predominantly, it is a kind thing that people say out of concern for the other person, showing that they care for them. And it's also a statement that shows that we value being happy and finding joy in life. But there's some issues with living by it. So let's think now about what the Bible has to say about this. So first of all, I reckon the very beginning of the Bible acknowledges that happiness is a good thing. Um, you only have to look at Genesis 1 to see that. In the story of creation, you get this picture of perfectness. Um, each of the cycles for each of the days, God creates and he goes, and it was good, and it was good. He sees what he's made, and it was good. At the end, in chapter 1, um, after the sixth day, God stands back and declares everything is very, very good. 
That's chapter 1, verse 31. So as humans, we were made by God and put in this perfect place, this place where we would be happy. Um, perfect circumstances, perfect company. It's no wonder that we want happiness. It's no wonder that we chase happiness because we're made for it. We're designed for it. It's no wonder we value being happy. And it's no surprise um, that we've come up with this saying, so long as you're happy, that's the main thing, because it's huge. Getting joy out of life is a massive thing. But if you keep reading through Genesis, you come to chapter 3, and there we see the man and the woman, they made a complete mess of their happy life. And the way they did that was they allowed themselves to doubt God's goodness. They questioned the way God wanted them to live. They disobeyed God by choosing to do things their way rather than God's way. And they went along with the line, whatever makes me happy, I'll do that. Whatever pleases God, well, maybe that would have been a better line to live by, mightn't it? Um, they put the idea of what, make, what might make them happy above everything else and went against what God wanted. And in their act of disobeying God, they've ruined their relationship with God. And they've brought God's judgment on this world and on themselves and on all of us who have followed afterwards. The Bible says that from that point on, our world's been broken, it's been fallen, it's been judged. Um, you have a read of Genesis chapter 3 and you'll see the extent of it. When God made man and woman, he blessed them. It's like he expressed his desire to make them happy. He blessed them and said, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over it. But now after the fall, the process of filling the earth, the process of having kids, it's painful, it's fraught. And the process of ruling over the world, it's become a toil and a battle. And the perfect teamwork between the man and the woman, it's turned into a constant competition. So now in a fallen world, the pursuit of happiness, it has this futility about it because things go wrong. Things break, relationships go wonky, people get hurt. Happiness, by our standards, well, it's only ever short-lived at best. That's Genesis. That's the beginning of the Bible. It speaks into this saying, doesn't it? When you come to the New Testament, you come to the passage that was read for us, think about what Jesus says about being happy. Um, there are some surprises for us. So the passage that was read was Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. It's Jesus' words to his disciples, which he spoke to them when he was on a mountainside. He spoke to his disciples in the hearing of a crowd. So 5 verse 1 says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and began to teach them. So he's teaching those who want to follow him what it means to be a follower of him, to be a follower of Jesus, in the hearing of the crowds. And he's doing all this on a mountainside. And so uh, the creative genius over the years has decided this is the Sermon on the Mount. It's just really sharp. What it is, though, it's like discipleship training, Jesus' discipleship training for the people that want to follow him. And when Jesus says, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, it's like he's saying, happy are. And what he says is unexpected to the world's ears. So you look at what he says, um, people are, how he says people are happy. What we want to hear is something like, happy are the rich because they'll have everything they want. Happy are those who get married because they'll never fight. Happy are those who have kids because they'll never have to do the dishes again. Happy are those who work for the government because they'll never be late home for dinner. Happy are those who go on long runs because they get away from a grumpy home. They're the kind of things that you'd expect would make us happy. But Jesus goes, verse 3, 
blessed or happy are the poor in spirit. Verse 4, he says, blessed or happy are those who mourn. Verse 5, blessed or happy are those who are, are the meek. Jump down to verse 10. Happy are those who are persecuted. Verse 11, happy are those when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kind of evil things against you. It sounds very twisted, doesn't it? How could you be happy in those circumstances? Where's the happiness in that light? Um, you'd have to say, though, Jesus is a realist because all the stuff he lists, we know, we live it, we see it, we experience it. It sounds twisted mainly because I've twisted it for you. Have another look through actually reading the words that are on the page without letting the surprising bits make you miss the important bits. So verse 3 says, blessed or happy are the poor in spirit, and then he goes, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Remember, he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the people who want to follow him. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The reason these particular people, these particular poor in spirit, the reason they can be happy, the reason they're blessed is because they're living for the kingdom of heaven. They're living for the kingdom of God. While they wait for that kingdom, life isn't necessarily easy, but they have a positive future ahead of them. Or verse 4, happy are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Jesus is telling his disciples that as his followers, as followers of Jesus, they will find themselves mourning, and if they find themselves mourning, they can know that in the kingdom of heaven there will be no mourning. And so even now, while they wait, they can be comforted. Or verse 5, blessed or happy are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. When you become a Christian, you give up everything to follow Jesus. You seek to live a selfless life, but in the kingdom of heaven, you'll reign with Jesus. And even now, you begin to know the truth of that. Um, verse 6 goes on, hunger for righteousness, you'll be filled. Um, blessed are you when, you when you show mercy, you'll receive mercy. And then down in verse 11, happy are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You hear what Jesus is saying to his disciples, can't you? He's saying, as my followers, you can expect a bumpy ride. It's not going to be easy, but you know that you are blessed. You know that you are happy. Um, know that as you couple the knocks that come your way, you have a sure place in the kingdom of heaven. You're blessed and you're happy. How does that, um, how does that intersect with our saying for today, as long as you're happy? That's the main thing. Well, Jesus says, follow me and you'll find real happiness, deep happiness. You really will be blessed. And this real lasting happiness, this genuine deep happiness, it can't be spoiled by living in a broken world and the bumps that you get along the way. It's genuine happiness that enables us to push through the rough patches in life because we know we're living for Jesus and we know that's what matters. So our saying, so long as you're happy, well, it recognises our longing for true happiness and Jesus says how you'll get it, real happiness. Real happiness comes when we undo what Adam and Eve did, when we start letting God be God. Living for Jesus, that's the main thing. Everything else serves that. Living for Jesus is the thing that matters over everything else. We give up everything else when we become a follower of Jesus. And as we live for Jesus, we gain this long-term permanent happiness, which is richer than anything else you could chase in life.
Um, this morning, we're turn, turning over this line, so long as you're happy, that's the main thing. And it is a saying that people live their life by. We've thought a bit about what people mean when they say it and realise there are some difficulties with it. We've thought about what the Bible has to say. And so where does it all leave us? Where does it leave us? I reckon the bottom line is don't go chasing cheap, short-term happiness. You know how your body reacts to sugar? You pump yourself full of sugar and you feel great for a little while. You've got all this energy. And then there's the after effects, the grumpiness, the headache. Try it on the kids one day. Pump them full of sugar. Watch them go and then leave the house. The after effects, yeah, you wonder whether the happiness was worth it. So much happiness in life is just like that. You're chasing the short fix, the short-term enjoyment that has the consequences. And then there's the ways that we try to mask the pain with our liquid happiness or the way we ignore our disappointments by binge watching telly, getting out of reality by watching reality. Yeah, it doesn't work. Or there's the ways we attempt to escape the challenges that come our way. Don't live for the short-term fixes. That's all they are. Um, th there is a truth to this statement, so long as you're happy, that's the main thing. But only if the happiness that you find is in Jesus, then, yeah, it is the main thing, and it'll keep you going. There won't be any after effects. So let's keep that clear in our minds, and we will find lasting happiness if we stop living for ourselves and start living for Jesus. Because in the end, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus and living to please him. And as you do that, then, yeah, you'll enjoy all the blessings to come, all the blessings that we have as part of Jesus' kingdom. So I come back to some of the scenarios I kind of threw out along the way. When you're making the big decision, for example, which course to study at uni or which job should I take? Well, the main thing is, can I serve Jesus? when I'm doing that course? Can I serve Jesus when I'm doing that job? Everything else comes a distant second, really. If you're battling with depression, well, the gospel gives you real hope because you look forward to a day when Jesus returns and when you will no longer have that battle with the fickleness of your emotions and our, human, our broken human bodies. But while we wait, we do battle on because we know that God loves us, even when we're down. And if you don't like your job or you don't like your marriage, let's just stick to if you don't like your job, it's easy to think about. Sure, maybe you need to change job. But if you go into the next job expecting that that will make you happy, watch out. Because you're the same person as you move into that next job, aren't you? Perhaps the more important thing is to make sure that you address the real problem first. Are you living for Jesus? And then if you're living for Jesus then start working through the rest. I'm sure you can join the dots and be thinking about where all this leaves us. But I think, sadly, too many people, they continue to follow in the steps of Adam and Eve and they sacrifice real, lasting, eternal happiness for the short-term, elusive happiness that gives them a kick for a week or two. Let's not be like that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his death in our place. We thank you for his bodily and eternal resurrection. 
And Lord, thank you for the forgiveness that we have in Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the hope that you give us for the future as we put our trust in him. And Father, thank you for the many, many blessings we have in this life as we wait for Jesus to return. Lord, please forgive us for the ways we become distracted from living for you. Please help us to put our trust in Jesus and live for him alone. And please help us to give up everything to follow Jesus. We thank you for genuine happiness, for joy and for peace that we know as we live for Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen.